Lord God, would you speak to us through your word now? Expose sin in our hearts. Show us your grace and your mercy to us in the Lord Jesus. And Lord, move us by your spirit that we may accept your gracious offer to enjoy relationship with you. May we follow you as you invite us now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. Well, friends, today we're, um, we're starting a new sermon series uh, here just for the next three weeks in the school holidays. Uh, but typically in this church, uh, our bread and butter is to work through books of the Bible. We usually start at the beginning and work all the way through or do a section at a time. Uh, but every now and then, uh, we, we do address topics. So we don't just start in a book. We, we consider a topic that we, we see across the Bible or across a part of the Bible. And so over the next three weeks, we're doing that. We're not just preaching through Mark's Gospel, although this morning I have picked verses just from Mark's Gospel. Uh, But we're looking at the topic this morning of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Because at the heart of the Christian message is Jesus' gracious invitation to become his disciple. And that word disciple, well, it is what it is to be a Christian. There are no Christians who are not disciples. When Jesus walked the earth and invited people to be his disciple, he didn't ask you to just appreciate Christian moral values. He wasn't inviting you to prefer Christianity over other religions. He wasn't inviting you to tick Christian on a census form. He wasn't even merely just inviting you to go to church. Jesus was inviting people, he was inviting you, to be in relationship with him. To become his disciple. To follow him. And so this morning we're going to spend our time looking at a few passages from Mark's Gospel where Jesus shows us what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple. And if you've been in church for your whole life or at least a long time, you might be thinking, really? Is that what we need to hear? That's for new Christians. I don't don't need to hear that again. But friends, I want to give you three real quick reasons why we actually need to hear this message, whether you're not a Christian at all or whether you've been a Christian your entire life. Uh, The first one is that the stakes are really high. Heaven and hell is at stake here. The question of being a disciple of Jesus boils down to a life saved versus a life wasted. The stakes are high. It's worth us spending some time thinking about it. The second reason is that it's actually possible to get it wrong. It's possible to think that you are a disciple of Jesus and not be. Jesus says that not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord is truly a disciple. It's possible to think that you are following Jesus, but not. And so that in itself, it means it's worth us considering it this morning. But the third reason, and I think the most positive reason is that it's worth getting right. If we're truly following Jesus, if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, 
why would we not want to do that to the best of our abilities? If Jesus graciously and mercifully laid down his life for us, well, we, it would be well worth our while to devote our attention to working on that relationship. The stakes are high when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus. It's possible to get it wrong, but it's worth getting right. And so we're going to spend some time thinking about it this morning. The question is, what does it actually mean to be a disciple? What does it really look like to follow Jesus? Well, the kids just experienced it as they followed me out the door. I'm not Jesus. I'm not saying that. But we all follow people in different ways. And you can follow someone like you follow someone on Instagram or on social media where you just sort of observe them, but nothing more. If you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, if you're on Twitter, you know what this means. You just sort of look at what people do. That's following. But Jesus wants more of you than that. You can follow someone by listening to them. Like you might follow the advice of your doctor, or at least I hope you do. You might follow the advice of a personal trainer. You follow them in the sense that you actually listen to their advice to you. But you know what? Jesus actually wants more of you than that. You can follow someone by being devoted to them, by spending your time and your energy thinking about them, trying to please them. But you know what? Jesus actually wants more of you than that. This morning, I hope that you all see, I hope that you're all reminded that following Jesus is a big call. It's not a small thing that you add to your life. It's not like the the card that you get for the, you know, the frequent shopper card from the store in the mall. You know, the one that they say, would you like to join our club? It's free. You don't have to do anything. It doesn't get you much. That is not Christianity. When Jesus invites you to follow him, he invites you to let him radically transform your life from the inside out. It should be unrecognizable from how it was before. And so, friends, in your outline, I've got four T's of following Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It means to turn to trust, to take up your cross, and then lastly, to triumph. The kids learn this in the kids' talk. I asked them to follow me outside, and they turned. They were facing this way, they went that way. They trusted. Bad move. You should never trust me, kids. But you did. You trusted me, and then you trusted Michael and Emma to help you do the task that I set before you. It was a difficult task. It cost them. They can tell you about it later, what they had to do. But in the end, because they trusted, they triumphed. That's what we're going to look at. And I'm going to invite you to turn back in the book of Mark, back to chapter 1. Flick back in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are some in the foyer out the front there. But the first thing we see this morning is that The first step in following Jesus is a U-turn. Now, in Mark's account of Jesus' life, he spent the first 13 verses 
laying the foundation. He's told you about John the Baptist who came to prepare the way for Jesus. He tells you briefly about Jesus' baptism, his temptation. But then in verse 14 and 15, we get the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And then we get the very first words recorded for us in Mark's gospel. The first thing that Jesus says in verse 15, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's his message. The time has come. A change has occurred. A new era has dawned. Everything that happened before is relativized by what Jesus is about to do. It will be read through Jesus now. It's a big claim by Jesus. He's he's essentially claiming to be the center of history, the catalyst of a new era for humanity. The time has come. The kingdom of God has now here is now here. But this is not just information. This is not just letting you know something. It demands a response. And the response is repent and believe the good news. Now that word repent simply means to turn or to turn around. It's what you need to do if you somehow find yourself driving on the wrong side of the road. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You are going the wrong direction. And the first instruction that Jesus issues to people who would be his followers is turn around. You are going the wrong way. We're all heading that way. And Jesus says, no, you need to be going that way. You're heading this way, following your plans, your dreams, your hopes, your desires. And Jesus says they're directed the wrong way. Friends, turning from sin, turning towards Jesus means turning from all the things that you were living for. It means realising that the things that you were pursuing in your life were not as good. In fact, were dangerous. It means realising that you are lost in sin, that you're in darkness, that you cannot please God. The first step to following Jesus is to turn. But the second step is to trust Because the very next verse in Mark chapter 1 gives us a worked example of how to respond to this gospel message. Immediately after Jesus declares that the time has come, that the kingdom of God has come near, immediately after Jesus commands everyone, uh, sorry, immediately after Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent and believe the good news, he goes and calls people to do that. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. 
And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Come follow me. That's Jesus' invitation. And at once, Simon and Andrew drop their nets and follow Jesus. Without delay, James and John abandon their dad, their boat, and their livelihood. I don't know which one would be harder. I think the boat. Which one would be the hardest for you? They abandon everything to follow Jesus. Remember, they, they weren't just having a relaxing Saturday morning fish. This was their job. This was their livelihood. This was literally how they were going to put food on the table. But without delay, they let go of every strand in their safety net and follow Jesus. Have you ever had someone giving you advice and they might say something like, make sure you keep your options open? Have you had that advice? Don't burn your bridges. Maybe you're about to make what they think is a terrifying decision. They think, don't do that. And they say, well, just make sure that you can undo it again. When I decided to quit my job as an engineer to take up my minister's offer to do a ministry apprenticeship, I remember having this conversation with my work colleagues. I said, I'm going to quit engineering. I'm going to become a minister. <laughs> and the, you watch the colour drain from their faces. They think, why would you do that? And then they would latch on to the only hope that he could see in this situation. They said, oh, well, maybe, maybe the boss will take you back. You know, you can always come back, I'm sure. You can come back. That that was their hope. They couldn't fathom the idea of giving up a good job in a good company to work in a church. And so they latched on to that only shred of hope they could find. That's not what the disciples did when Jesus asked them to follow him. They left everything. They burned their bridges. They tossed the safety net because they knew they had found something better. That's what trust in Jesus looks like. Trusting in Jesus is not keeping your options open. If you think you're trusting in Jesus by saying, well, I'm going to go to church, but I'm also going to work really hard at being good, you're not trusting Jesus. If you think you're trusting Jesus by saying, well, I'm going to read my Bible and learn about him, but really I'm living for wealth or I'm living for pleasure. You're not trusting Jesus. That is not faith. Now, keeping your options open might be perfectly valid in some circles, in some situations, but it's not with Jesus. When Jesus calls you to follow him, he's asking you to put him First, He's asking you to trust him completely, to not trust anything else. It means clinging to him because you realise there is nothing else in life more valuable, more worthy of trust. It's why in the passage that Colin read for us in Mark 10... Jesus says that we need to receive his kingdom like a child. He says we need to be like kids in our trust. 
You've watched what kids do, right? They are trusting. Faith is the kid who just jumps into the swimming hole even though he can't swim because dad's there. He knows dad will catch me. Adults are standing on the side, dipping our toes in, going, oh, is it cold? Is there a crocodile? Am I going to hurt myself? What am I going to do about my hair after? The kid says, no, water, dad, I'm in. Boom. That's trust. And when you don't trust someone, you don't rely on them, do you? When you don't trust someone, you don't rely on them. A few years ago, I was travelling through Europe uh, with some mates. We arrived in, in Vienna, in Austria, Turned out it was a long weekend. All the accommodation was booked out. We were not prepared. We had not booked ahead. Um, and so we were frantically trying to find somewhere to live for a few days. Well, this super sketchy guy approached us and said, oh, I've got a place that you can live out of town. <laughs> we did not trust him. He was scary looking. We did not feel safe in his presence. We did not want to go with him to wherever he was taking us. We were pretty convinced he was going to sell us as drug mules or something. But we were desperate. And so we accepted his offer, but we did not trust him. We carried our valuables with us everywhere we went around him. We stuck together. We made sure that no one in the group was left alone with this strange man. We did not leave. We did not treat that apartment like a home. We treated it like a trap. When you don't trust someone, you won't rely on them. You'll keep your options open. You'll keep the safety net. But trusting Jesus means more than just believing that his message is true. Trusting Jesus means more than giving your approval to the message that humans are sinful and that we deserve God's wrath and that by dying on a cross, Jesus forgives us. By rising again, he conquers the curse. It's more than just believing this message. Faith is not just believing that that message is true. Satan knows that that message is true. Trusting in Jesus means giving yourself completely to Jesus. Not just believing that Jesus is good, but treasuring him above all else. Not just believing that Jesus is right, but rejecting anything that would contradict him. Not just believing that Jesus is Lord, but laying every part of your life at his feet. And friends, that brings us to our third point this morning. Following Jesus means turning from sin and turning towards Jesus. Following Jesus means trusting in Jesus. But now thirdly, following Jesus means taking up your cross like Jesus. If you flick ahead in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Because in Mark chapter 8, Jesus shows us what it really means to trust him. He shows us that following Jesus means clinging to him tighter than we cling to life itself. To set the context, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus had just been quizzing his closest friends about who they think he is. Peter gets it right. He says, you are God's Messiah. 
The disciples know his true identity, and so now Jesus wants to make sure they know what it truly means to follow God's Messiah. In verse 34 of Mark chapter 8, Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. If you want to follow Jesus, you must deny yourself. And that's very strange in our context, isn't it? Because we live in a world that values self-expression. We live in a world where the supreme virtue is to express yourself, to be your true self. It means throwing off any one else's expectations of who you are and you living out your true identity. That's what our culture craves. That's what our culture praises. And you've seen it with things like sexuality and gender. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. You be you. Well, Jesus says that following him requires the exact opposite of that kind of thinking. You being you is not the answer. Expressing yourself is not the answer. The answer is to deny yourself. Self-denial means laying down your rights and your freedoms and your hopes and your plans and your dreams for the sake of Jesus. It means letting Jesus occupy pride of place in your life. Which means following Jesus is going to require some serious renovations on how you spend your time and how you spend your energy and how you spend your money. We saw it in Mark 10 with the rich man who came to Jesus and asked, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? We wondered why Jesus tells him to sell all his possessions and give his money to the poor. Is that the gospel? When the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 asks Paul and Silas almost the exact same question, what must I do to be saved? They just say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. End of story. He doesn't have to sell all these things. Why does this man? Well, Jesus knows the man's heart, doesn't he? He knows that this man is happy to follow the rules. But he doesn't love God with his whole heart. And he, Jesus exposes that in this man's life by asking him to let go of the thing that he really loves with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. His money. The rich man did not want to deny himself. He wanted to express himself. He wanted to live for himself. And so he was not prepared to follow Jesus. Friends, following Jesus is costly. Jesus doesn't pretend otherwise. He doesn't hide it in fine print. He says it loudly, clearly, and repeatedly. Following me will cost you. If you've ever been in for surgery, you'll know you have to sign like a 60-page document and hidden in there is the, the, the news that this surgery might possibly kill you. But it's buried in there somewhere. Uh, Jesus puts it in big, bold print on page one. 
If you want to follow me, you need to be prepared to take up your cross. Friends, following Jesus will cost you. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you your energy. It'll cost you your spare time. It might cost you friends. It might cost you relationships with people in your family. It might cost you promotions at work. It might cost you your safety. It might cost you your dignity. Friends, it may even cost you your life. But following Jesus means being willing to give up everything else. Everything that you are. Everything that you have. For his plans and his purposes. It means treasuring him more than life itself. It means considering it better to die than to sin. Better to die than to be out of relationship with God. And so right now, you might be wondering, is it worth it? Why would anyone want to follow Jesus if the cost is so high? If you're here this morning and you're not yet following Jesus, you would be right to have that question. Why would I want it? If you're here and you've been following Jesus your whole life, you might question it at times. Is it worth it? If following Jesus means completely changing the course of our lives, setting aside everything to trust him, being willing to endure persecution and suffering and pain, even death, for the privilege. You have to wonder, don't you? Is it worth it? Well, have a look at what Jesus says in the very next verse of Mark For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Friends, this is the hope of the gospel. This is the triumph of following Jesus. If you give your life to Jesus, you will save it. So the way to have a full life the way to win the game, the way to be the best version of you is not to live your own way. It's not to live for your own dreams, your own desires. It's not to express yourself. It's not to march to the beat of your own drum. It's to give yourself completely to Jesus and his gospel. That's where you'll find life. That's where you'll find, as Jesus said in Mark 10, a home and a family and wealth and joy a hundred times what you might lose. Friends, he is worth it. He is the one person that you can give everything to and still come out on top. And so, friends, let me ask you, will you follow Jesus? I know some of you are. I know many of you are. And praise God for that. There is nothing better than following Jesus, and I pray that you don't doubt it. Even when it's costing you dearly, 
Know that there is nothing better. Keep going. I know there are some of you here who may have been in church your whole life, but are not following Jesus. You've put the church club in your wallet, but you've just added Jesus to a long list of other treasures in your life. Friends, if that's you, can I challenge you to think about what it would really look like for you to trust Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? You will not lose by denying yourself to follow him. And so, friends, I invite you to do that. But if you're here this morning and you're still investigating Christianity, if you're not sure what you think about Jesus, can I push you to follow him today? Don't wait any longer. Jesus invites you to be his disciple, to follow him, to deny yourself, to take up your cross, but in him to find life. Friends, will you follow him today? Let's pray. Our Lord God, following Jesus is hard for us. We're not naturally inclined to want to deny ourselves. We're not naturally inclined to trust someone outside of us. Lord, help us to see the glory and goodness of walking after Jesus. I pray that you would help us each to see our need to turn from sin, to repent and to believe the good news that Christ died for sinners like us. Help us to trust Jesus, not just believing a message about him, but entrusting ourselves to him. Help us to give everything that we are and everything that we have to him. Keep us from seeking the safety of, of anything else. Keep us from trusting in ourselves. Help us know that it's in Christ alone that we have relationship with you. Lord, would you help us to be willing to take up our cross? May we deny ourselves. Help us to know what that will look like for us. Help us let go of our pride, our dreams and our desires, our selfish ambition. Help us to set aside those things and know that in Christ we have something far greater. We have the fountain of all love and joy, of peace. Help us to know how good it is to have life in your name. Lord, help us follow you, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen.